Saving money on your outdoor project? Now at Menards. We have everything you need to keep your outdoor power equipment running smooth so you can keep that lawn in tip-top shape or enjoy some time on your boat. Right now, all FVP, lawn and garden, and marine batteries are on sale through May 5th. Check out our entire selection of FVP batteries today and view our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals. This show is brought to you by K Jewelers. Listen up, NFL fans. K just dropped a collection of officially licensed NFL jewelry. Shop your favorite team in the True Fans Fine Jewelry Collection at K.com slash truefans. Gear up for the season and celebrate the love of the game with K. This is a podcast from Minute Media. It's about to go. Sports Podcast, where we talk history of the game, numbers, and stats. And each week we highlight a charity that's doing good. If you haven't subscribed yet, then you should. Because I'm sick to this, this the, the real deal. And you know I gotta shout out the Buffalo Bills. Turn it up to the max, sit back and relax. This the Buffalo Nerd Sports Podcast. Let go! Hey, what is up, Bills Mafia? Welcome Ian to another episode of the Buffalo Nerd. It's your home for Buffalo Bills football with a charity on top. Brought to you by Minute Media and Fansided. So I'm pretty pumped this week. Uh, we got a local guy that covers the team. He's going to be joining me. Uh, I'm not sure why he's taking the time to do it, but thankfully he is. So we're going to get some good insight heading into the week here uh, up against the Jaguars. Um, you know, and we just had some information drop as we were getting ready to record this here on Tuesday. So um, before we get too much into this, you guys can't see my guest. We're in a little different situation this week. So um, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? I got Ryan Talbot from um, the Shout Podcast on the other side here. But Ryan, just in case somebody out there doesn't really know who you are, follow you yet. And you know, why don't you kind of let them know a little bit about what you do? Yeah, absolutely. My name is Ryan Talbot. I've been covering the Bills for, uh, you know, about a decade now. And most recently, the last uh, five years plus, uh, nyup.com, syracuse.com. So I work alongside Matt Perino and uh, we co, you know, we both have the Shout Buffalo Football podcast that we do together. So, uh, you know, a little one stop shop there for all your Bills news. Absolutely. And you guys, uh, you guys put out a lot of good stuff. Um, it's fun to watch the shows. Uh, you guys are entertaining and you're, of course, you're a local guy. You know, uh, you actually went to St. Bonaventure and everything like that. I grew up right, right around the corner from there myself. So your local guy kind of, it's one of those cool stories, I think, where it's kind of the local guy gets to cover a team he probably grew up loving, right? And now it's actually a good football team again for a change, which makes it a lot more exciting. Yeah, it's it's pretty awesome. Uh, you're right. I grew up a Bills fan. Um, I you know it was a, pretty much a ritual every Sunday that we'd be watching the game at one o'clock. And obviously back then they had their fair amount of primetime games too because that was a Super Bowl team early on in my life. But also a very long drought that I experienced both as a fan and then part as a, a you know media member covering the team. Absolutely. I mean, I was there for all those years too. Of uh, the great, the great run early on was so much fun, and then it was just devastating. But before we get too much into the team that's doing good now and that we both love, um, we do like to start out every show by highlighting a charity. And of course, uh, Ryan gets to choose the charity as the guest coming on. So, Ryan, kind of uh, let us know who you chose and uh, why you chose them. Yeah, I chose the American Cancer Society. I actually just took part in their uh, Real Men Wear Pink campaign for the the Buffalo branch alongside uh, Nate Geary, Sal Capasio, uh, and a few others. So it was a fun 
uh, fun to do that. Fun to represent such a a wonderful organization. Obviously, uh, raising money for cancer research and something that I think hits home with with a lot of people these days. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, it's a big organization that I think a lot of people know about. And, you know, a lot of people know about the campaign and stuff, but it covers so many different dynamics behind the scenes of what they actually do. You know, they're helping in so many different avenues. So it's always a cool thing to continue to highlight those organizations. So there are people that somehow have not heard about them or just don't know how to connect with them. So when we do bring them up on the show, you know, we make sure you guys can connect over all that stuff through the show notes and everything like that. So thanks, Ryan, for choosing them and, you know, bringing up why, you know, kind of why you wanted to talk about them. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm kind of curious about what you thought about last week. Um, you know, this is we're doing this on Tuesday, so it's kind of already set in. I'm sure you've gone back and looked at it a couple of times. I've gone back and looked at it. Uh, the beginning was terrible. I mean, it was just kind of awful. It looked like we were kind of out dueling ourselves almost with what we were trying to accomplish. But what was kind of your takeaway from the Miami game? Yeah, takeaway from the Miami game is uh, offensive line was very underwhelming in that matchup. Uh, obviously, they were they were down right tackle. Spencer Brown injured his back training leading up to that game, coming off of the bye. So, you know, it was a bad timing to have a back injury. And with him out, they had to reshuffle the offensive line. So you had Daryl Williams move from right guard to right tackle. Obviously, a spot that he played uh, last year in Buffalo. He's played throughout his career, so he has a lot of experience there. You, you flip John Feliciano from left guard to right guard, and then you start Ike Butker. And uh, th- that unit alone just could not get any kind of push in, in the run-blocking game. Um, I, I just felt like both running backs were kind of behind the eight ball in that performance. Many times when they were given the ball, you could already see the offensive line getting pushed back near them. So very few uh, memorable runs in that game. Um, but the backs, at least, you know, Zach Moss did a little bit more in terms of being a receiver. He ended up third on the team in receiving yards. So they still contributed there. But uh, the the play calling wasn't great in, in the first half. And I know that, my, that a lot of that has to do with what Miami came out and did and uh, the way that they played the Bills, maybe not being as physical right at the line, but giving them different looks. Um, and, and this is one of those games, though, that I know a lot of Bills fans probably wanted to have another 35 nothing type of outcome. But it's good to get challenged to see what your team will do uh, on the fly in terms of adjustments and making those changes. And the Bills obviously passed the test there because... Uh, you know, late in the third quarter, that's when they really started figuring things out, putting together back to back touchdown drives, and then obviously scoring another one very late in the game, uh, following an interception by Jordan Poyer. Yeah, I mean, that, I'm, I'm glad you said a lot of that stuff. It makes it makes me not feel bad for feeling the same way because there was so many times you would watch them start to run and they'd run right into the back of one of our own guys within like a yard. And it was like, this is, we're just, nothing's happening. But it, I, that's where I felt like, why are we continuing to try to do this? Like, let's, let's just open it up. We, let's, it's almost sometimes like we're scared to be that one dimensional team because everybody says you're not supposed to be it. But it's like, if, when you need to win, let's just do it. But obviously the defense had to be resilient in this game. They had some long drives Miami did and they were, you know, added by penalties and things like that. So I thought all in all, the defense still stood up. And when you come out of it, second half, we came out, we did what we were supposed to. I mean, you, you figured out the way to win in your own building, you know, kind of against a team that you should beat, I think. Yeah, absolutely. The de- defense was great. Uh, I know that they didn't get a lot of sacks necessarily, uh, but I thought the defensive line was the best unit of the three. And that's saying something because the secondary was really good against the Dolphins. 
We had Ed Oliver, who didn't just make a splash play. He was all over the place in that game, um, blowing up plays, whether you're talking the third and 20 screen pass. He was right there into his face before anything could be developed. Tackle for a loss, tackle at the line, you name it. He was just uh, on your camera a lot on Sunday if you were watching that game. Obviously, you had the two veterans, Mario Addison and Jerry Hughes, both recording sacks. Uh, you know, it's obviously really important for the Bills to give AJ Epineza and Greg Russo expanded roles because they are the future at that position or uh, at least going to have sizable roles in the very near future. But it, it also showed why you need to have those two guys out there. They can still get the job done. And then Star Latule has been pretty strong all season, in my opinion. Um, flashes on the tape in terms of making a few plays, but he's the reason why Ed Oliver was being was allowed to uh, do a lot of the work that he did because of the attention that he brings to the party. Linebackers, I thought, were strong. You know, Tremaine Edmonds is never going to make every fan happy. Um, he did have a missed tackle. He was out of coverage once or twice. It, it happens, but I thought that he was all over the field again. I thought he made uh, quite a few good plays that offset uh, maybe a few of those uh, head-scratching plays that may frustrate fans. Matt Milano looked more confident on that hamstring, I thought. Uh, and then in the secondary, uh, you know, I don't even know what you can say about this group anymore. Um, Trey White, two pass breakups. You could see that he was pretty much reading the play. And, and it goes back to something Jordan Poyer said post game where on his interception, he said, I had seen that lineup, you know, the formation before I, we were expecting it. It was one of those things where it was like almost play out in slow motion for him when he made his interception. I think that was the same case on two of those pass breakups that Trey White had. There was one especially that sticks out of my mind where he jumped the inside shoulder thinking the ball was going to come there and actually went to the other side and he uh, allowed the reception and then the receiver picked up some yards after the catch because of it. But it was something that I think he saw on tape and he, he thought it was going to be a certain play. Right after that. Yeah, yeah and was, then he, he had the one right that he... That. Yep, absolutely. Then he had another one where he almost intercepted it. And, and even Levi Wallace who... Uh, he's another one of those players that kind of is a punching bag for some of the fan base. I think he allowed three receptions in that game, like true receptions in one-on-one scenarios. And, you know, Devontae Parker is a very physical receiver when he's healthy. He's a, he's a difference maker. Um, and he has a little bit of a size advantage. So I thought Levi performed really well. And then he had a, a big pass breakup late in that game too. Mind you did come on Miami's touchdown drive, but he, he showed up too when it really mattered. Yeah, I mean that's I mean that's all pretty spot on stuff. I think I I thought Addison had a really nice game. He he was in the backfield quite a bit. You know, he never he didn't get there all the time, but he was definitely there. And the back end was just it was disgusting. It's just so gross how good they are, really. And Teron Johnson to me had a phenomenal game. I mean, he was he was lined up with Gasecki quite a bit. He he thought he had I thought he had a really really good game. But the entire defense and that one the one coverage with Edmonds too. I think. McDermott was sprinting down the sideline trying to get a timeout. You could tell he didn't know where he was supposed to be going and they just didn't get didn't get it stopped. And, you know, it ended up being a first down, but it wasn't a massive play. But either way, when you got a defense that's putting up the numbers they are right now and they're causing like two throws the ball within like two point five seconds, and he was having to throw it even quicker than that, it was going to nowheres because of what the defensive pressure was even doing in that amount of time. So I thought it was a good performance overall, something to build off for sure. 
Yeah, you know, you look at this defense so far, and really the only game that they've been uh, beaten up, so to speak, would be that Titans game. And I said after the Titans game, it's very rare that you're going to see an elite running back uh, in two you know, players that could still be considered number one wide receivers on the same team. And you have to account for Henry, which opens up the passing game. When the passing game gets all gets going, it opens up things for Henry. And, and now you fast forward a few weeks and Henry's going to be out for the foreseeable future. And I think you're going to see these next few opponents against Tennessee uh, really be able to dial in on going after Tannehill because whether it's Adrian Peterson or Jeremy McNichols or whomever else they, they give the ball to, it's it's not Derrick Henry at the end of the day. Uh, so you're going to be able to, to see how defenses can uh, adjust to that Titans offense now. Their defense is still a mess. I think they're going to kind of fall back to earth. It's just one of those things where the NFL is ever changing on a week-by-week basis, whether you're talking injuries, whether you're talking trades, although uh, – you know, a, a pretty quiet trade deadline overall. Um, it, it's just, it's very interesting to watch. I think now if the, you, you play the the Titans again, I think the Bills run away with it because they can pin their ears back and go after Tannehill and play their coverages a little bit differently. It, it's just all about how the schedule lines up. And, you know, the, the Bills obviously had their opportunities to win that game regardless. Yeah, it's going to be absolutely interesting. That's one thing that I feel we've we're, we've had some O-line injuries and we're going to have to deal with that this coming week, but we've been pretty healthy all the way across the board. And when we've lost a guy, the guy that stepped up has really been not as maybe great of a player, but they're pretty darn close. And you're going to see that. And I think that kind of brings me to this week because we're, we're coming up against a team in Jacksonville that's possibly going to be down James Robinson, who's kind of like their superstar, really. He's, you know, he, I think he's one of their best players at least. And they're kind of a team that you look at them. They're not winning a lot. Um, they don't really score a lot of points. Um, they give up over 20 points a game. And offensively, it just doesn't feel like they're going to have enough for this defense. Um, am I way off on that? I mean, I know it's still the NFL, and you still got to respect it because they've played some close games. They haven't been getting like blown out of everything here. You know, they played Cincinnati tough. You know, they've beat the team that we just kind of had a little trouble with in half. You know, so wh- where do you kind of stand on that offense? Yeah, uh, I think you're actually pretty spot on, especially if Robinson can't play, because uh, I think the, the only way you could really pull off an upset set like that is to keep the, the ball out of Buffalo's offensive, you know, the hands of the offense. And that's Robinson getting 25, 30 touches. Um, e- even if he did play, though, I think the, the Bills kind of make him the focal point. That's no knock on Trevor Lawrence. Lawrence has flashed at times this year. He's shown why he, he, he looks like the number one overall pick at times, but that overall roster uh, still needs a lot of help. Marvin Jones is a really good veteran to have there at receiver, but he's not someone that you lose sleep over um, you know, in the night, so to speak. LaVishka Chenault hasn't necessarily met expectations. They already lost Travis Etienne for the year uh, before the season even started, DJ Chark. So they're a pretty depleted roster as it stands. Uh, I, I don't see them being able to go toe-to-toe with Buffalo, and I think the defense is going to have their fair share at a few turnovers in that game. Yeah, I mean, I feel like this is a game that if you've if you've got kind of a lockdown defense that you're going to see them potentially lock this team down because typically going up against a rookie, I mean, Leslie Frazier and these guys who have been together for three years now, you know, at minimum, you know, some of them have been together longer. You know, it's like it's so easy to put together game plans to go up against guys like this when they are kind of a one dimensional team. You're not really feeling like either of those guys are going to run past you on the outside. 
Um, you know, they've kind of got Dan Arnold who's been flashing a little bit in the, the past couple of weeks, but we haven't really been exposed by the tight end yet this season either. Uh, the way that Milano has been playing and even Edmonds in coverage, I thought has been w- doing well this season. So it feels like on the surface, like that big, that big point total might actually happen. Yeah, I, I agree completely. And, and, you know, great point bringing up the tight end position. That was an Achilles heel of this defense uh, last year, especially. Uh, you can go back to some of those games uh, against Miami with Fitzpatrick and Gusecki. And uh, obviously not the only game, but that's one that really stands out in your mind where anytime they needed a completion, they went right across the middle and they were just doing damage. Um, and many other teams did the same as well. But they fared a lot better in that area. You know, you go to the the Kansas City game, they did a nice job, uh, you know, limiting Travis Kelsey and obviously Hill in that game too, but just speaking of the tight end position solely. So they, they've done a really good job in that area. I, I see this being a pretty lopsided win for the Bills. I wouldn't be shocked if uh, late in the game you have Trubisky coming in, maybe some other backups too. I mean, I, I think that's the type of game you could be in for on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, it, it feels like that's what should take place, which is a Bills fan. It always feels weird to be like, yeah, we're going to go in there and just kind of dominate this team. Like, there's no way around it. But it felt kind of the same way, like going into Houston. You you felt that way, like you should kind of dominate this team. But you've got a little bit of that we've lost in this building before to a team that we should have beaten, things like that nature. So it's one of those things. And I'm kind of the offense. I mean, I don't want to act like they're they're not putting up massive numbers, but something about that last game kind of made me feel like, do you feel like we're still searching for what we want to do? Uh, a, a little bit. I still think Miami, despite their record and being last place in the AFC East, they have a really talented secondary in, in terms of how they can match up against the Bills. Uh, Xavier Howard and Byron Jones, and then uh, they have another... Uh, Jones back there. They, they have a, a very talented overall secondary and they weren't playing the way that they had been before physical up front. They were literally playing the routes and that caught the bills off guard a little bit. I, I just think that that was one of those matchups where they've seen the bills so many times, even just this new version of the bills. If you want to go back just to last season and this season, um, uh, they know what to expect in terms of Josh Allen slinging the ball around. So they're able to match up a little bit better than a lot of other teams. Uh, not many teams have secondaries like that. So uh, especially not, you know, Jacksonville, um, not the Jets coming up on the horizon, not even, you know, Indianapolis, who's playing a little bit better on offense and is, uh looks like more of a challenge than maybe earlier in the year. But Still, these these games on the horizon for the Bills are all very winnable. Throw in the Thanksgiving game as well now uh, where you don't have Jameis Winston. They didn't make any uh, notable trades today. Maybe they make a surprise signing like a Phillip Rivers who said he would listen. Uh, but I think they're really going to go into that Thanksgiving game with uh, Taysom Hill, um, y- you know, or... Or a mix because of what we saw with Trevor Simeon on Thanksgiving. I'm not saying you're going to see that week in, week out. Um, There's a lot of tape on him from his Denver days. I I think he's very limited. But if you want to have a true quarterback in that system, too, you can kind of mix it up with those guys. At the end of the day, though, that's another game that the Bills should be able to kind of dominate, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, I feel like as long as which this team has kind of proven it, as long as we kind of go into the this as business every week, 
we should kind of have a nice little run here where we can now the Jets will see. I mean, they're going to get 10 days to get ready for us the first time. So it might be another one of those situations where we might see that kind of like first half where they might have something a little bit different for us. Um, but I still feel like we took a Robert Solis's defense to town when we went up against the 49ers the last time he was there. So it's one of those things. But I think as long as we just go into each and every week as it's, it's business as usual. Let's get the win. Let's keep moving. We have probably the easiest stretch, I think, you know, to get to that number one seed. And I kind of wanted to get your opinion on what, what's going on in the AFC right now. Is Cincinnati going to be able to hold this ground? Are the Raiders going to be able to hold their ground? What do you, what do you think is going to happen? Kansas City last night to me, I, don't, I try not to be like the guy that's like, I think they're tumbling down, but I think they're tumbling down. Yeah. You know, I was watching the game and I can't remember who said it. I, um, someone said that like the Giants were were a, a Bills drought team, and I'm like, boy, that couldn't be said m- more beautifully because you know those Bills drought teams never were as talented as the other ones, and then they would always have like a big letdown in those primetime games, um, and that's what happened at the end of the game. You, the, you know, they get sacked two or three times in that matchup. The Chiefs were not good though in, in that win. They, they the offense really struggled. Um, the Mahomes still has not figured out how to play defenses the way that they're playing him now. And this is how many weeks in a row is this now that we've seen defenses take away the deep stuff, make you dink and dunk your way down the field. And he's, and he's starting to drop it off more, but he's still making mistakes. Uh, Travis Kelsey's still making mistakes, fumbling the ball that he's putting. I saw at least three or four passes that realistically should have been intercepted. And, and listen, I know, Defensive players are defensive players for a reason. They don't have the hands to play on offense. But there were passes literally right to Giants players that they just dropped. Uh, so the offense is still bad. The defense, they, they had a little bit more of a pass rush. They did just uh, trade for Melvin Ingram. So maybe that will help mask some of their issues. But that's still a bad defense. They were just going against a bad Giants offense. Um, so, you know, I think they looked better in terms of the, the points allowed and how they performed. There's a lot of issues there. I just don't know if I trust the other NF or AFC West teams to hold up over the course of the season. I've seen the Chargers collapse many times in my lifetime. And I'm not just talking about this current regime. I'm I'm talking about the, the Rivers and Tomlinson regime come playoff time. Um, but I've also seen heartbreaking losses with Anthony Lynn as their head coach. I would like to think this new regime, uh, the, you know, with Justin Herbert as your quarterback, they can uh, make enough of a run here. But I still think that they should have been, uh, there's enough of a talent differential that they should have been able to beat New England last week. So they're going to have some letdowns. They're still a young team. The Raiders, I can't figure out for the life of me. Uh, I, I do think Derek Carr is a very good quarterback. I think he's very underrated uh, compared to how a lot of other quarterbacks are talked about in this league and how he's never, ever really mentioned in the same breath. I think he's really good, Um, but I still have questions about them. But, but you look at this stretch, the chiefs have coming up. They don't, I don't think they have another team on their schedule with a losing record right now, which is unbelievable. Uh, Packers this upcoming week. I know they have Dallas on the horizon. If those offenses play like they can, and Mahomes continues to play that he is, those are going to be losses for that team. And and we might be talking about the Chiefs not even making the playoffs, which is unbelievable to me. I, I still think they're going to eke in at the end of the year. I think they're going to do enough. Uh, I it's, Again, I, I'll believe it when I see it. But AFC is so strange. The Bengals are a young team. I wasn't shocked that they lost the Jets. I know that, that sounds weird. 
but when you have so much youth um, and that team still up till this year had been losing a lot of games. They, they didn't know, they don't know how to win yet necessarily those, those close matchups. They, they blew a lead in that game uh, against the jets. I, I still think they're going to have some letdowns from here and there. The Ravens are still going to contend in that division. Uh, Pittsburgh to their credit has kind of stayed relevant in that division. I, st- I still think they're going to fall off with Roethlisberger though. That arm, uh, isn't going to hold up all year. And then uh, the Browns, I don't know what I have in the, what the Browns have right now. I know that they've uh, had some bad luck with injuries, especially at that running back position over the last few weeks. But even when they plugged in a Dearness Johnson, he's looked talented and they have Chubb and they have Hunt, but they almost need the full arsenal at running back to be there for, for Baker Mayfield to look like a playoff caliber quarterback as odd as that sounds. So, the AFC is just very, very weird right now. I think that's the easiest way to put it. And then obviously the Titans uh, holding on to the top seed right now. I think they're going to fall to earth without Henry as well. Yeah. I mean, the AFC, when you, when I started this out, you know, it was like, and you knew it was going to be a gauntlet. Like everybody just looked like they could potentially win 10 or more games. There's six teams that you could say, yeah, they'll win 10 more, 10 or more games this season. No problem. But so many teams have been depleted by injuries that they're all getting kind of knocked down into a big group that it's going to get wild here at the end, I think. But I agree with you on the chiefs. I like, I felt like the Ingram thing was like a little bit of desperation and like desperation on the wrong side of the ball. Almost. I feel like at this point, like I, I, I don't see it working out. They don't look like they're clicking at all. And we saw this. I, I, I think people almost forget like Andy Reid's a great coach, but this did happen in Philadelphia too. Remember he started there, right? He was winning. He was winning. He was winning, doing great, great, great. And then it kind of just tailed off into it just kind of is always okay. Like you anticipate it's going to be great, but it doesn't work out. Raiders. I just keep waiting for them to Raider and they're, and they're just not Raidering yet. I guess. I don't know. They, they look like they've got enough right now to keep this thing going. They're going through some adversity over there too, which is, you know, kind of cool with the whole coaching thing that took place, but AFC, I'm excited to see what's going to take place. You know, there's this run. And when you get in the playoffs, it really does truly feel this year. Like it could be any given week. You could be done. Yeah, a hundred percent. And, and you know, the one thing about the Raiders too, you're right. There's always that momentum shift when you make a coaching change. And obviously they didn't fire Gruden because of how they were playing on the field. There was a whole nother matter. Uh, but for they've responded since that change and, and they almost look better uh, w- without him. And I'm not trying to not Gruden by any means, but it'll be interesting to see if they sustain that and if they continue to play at that type of level. Um, because usually that there's a one, two, three weeks where the, the team's playing really motivated. They want to show up for that new coach and then they kind of fall to earth. But maybe this is the year that the Raiders really do pull away in that division because like you said, uh, there's a lot of weaknesses on that Kansas City roster. Uh, there's a lot. Of, there's still some questions, I, I guess I would say, uh, about the Chargers, despite having a lot of talent on both sides of the ball. So that, that maybe that division in the AFC alone is the one that I'm most intrigued by, uh, because even even the Broncos, who aren't going to win that division, the, when the defense shows up, they can at least make some games interesting from time to time too. Yeah, I always find it interesting to see how teams are going to respond, you know, like with the Von Miller trade where the Rams just decided they don't ever want to draft anybody ever again. So they're just going to give them to everybody else. But like, how's that team going to respond? Because you're almost like, are you saying that we don't think we're going to make it at this point or 
we're going to do this because we're going to make it like it, it it just feels weird. But the thing with the Raiders too, it's like when you come out with that new coach and you win, it's a lot easier to like him. Right. I mean, if, if you come out with a loss, you could easily walk out and be like, Oh no. Like, yeah. can you bring Gruden back? You know, like, <laughs> so it's one of those things, but we're getting up pretty close here to the end, Ryan. I want to, you know, thank you for coming on and everything like that. And I just want to see uh, what, what's your final, you got like a number in your head. Is this a, is this a three touchdown type of win this weekend? Yeah, I, I haven't put together my my score prediction yet, but if I were to guess, I'm going to say, oh, I wouldn't be shocked if the Bills put up 40 plus in this game. So I'll, I'll say uh, 41 to 10. I, maybe they get uh, some some points toward the end of the game, garbage time points for the Jacksonville, but I, I just see the Bills pulling away with this one. And any concern of the New England Patriots at this point contending for the division? No, uh, you know, they're a nice little story right now at 500. Mac Jones is still getting a lot of hype. I've watched a lot of his games. Uh, he's accurate, but it's a lot of short passing. He he has stretched the field a little bit more in recent weeks, but for the most part, they're kind of dinking and dunking their way down the field. The defense, I think, is is legitimate. They obviously lost a lot of guys last year to opt-outs, um, and they got them back. They signed some players that had previously been on that team. Matthew Judon has been a great signing for them. But I still think the Bills have more talent on both sides. I still think you're going to see some letdown games or some surprise losses, I guess, uh, for the Patriots here in in the next few weeks. Um, I don't know their schedule in front of me, but I think they do have some difficult matchups on the horizon. So they're going to be hovering around that 500 point, in my opinion. Maybe in a best case scenario, can get to 10 wins. I I think the Bills, worst case scenario, you're looking at 12 wins where I could see them winning uh, 13 or 14 games when all is said and done. Yeah. I mean, I had uh, beginning of the season, I had new England at eight and nine. I mean, I just felt like they're, they're going to, they could potentially because of the defense, bringing guys back, they could hang around and they could win some games, but they've got a much tougher schedule than, you know, what we're coming up against right now for what they're going up against. But so before we get out of here, Ryan, uh, anything you want to shout out, anything you guys got coming up or you're working on? Yeah, you know, just check out NYUP and Syracuse.com daily. We we usually have a few pieces up uh, each day. Uh, We'll have our live uh, Wednesday night staple show tomorrow. Uh, We'll do a preview on Friday or Saturday for this Jacksonville game. And just, you know, uh, thank you for the continuous support because uh, the Bills fan base, they're not just diehards for the the team itself. They're always consuming content, whether it's on the website or the podcast itself. Absolutely. And it's all good stuff. And I say the same to you guys every week uh, in closing. Thanks for being here. Uh, you know, I obviously wouldn't have a show if there's nobody listening. So along those same lines, I appreciate you guys as well. Uh, make sure that you guys are heading over to Buffalo Lowdown. It's buffalowdown.com and checking out what Brandon and Aaron, all those guys are up to over there. And of course, everything I'm doing is over at the buffalonerd.com. And we'll see you guys next week. And of course, go Bills. Kayla from Columbus and I would absolutely recommend 3C. Because the accident wasn't my fault, 3C stepped in to handle the other person's insurance company so I didn't have to do a thing. 
while they were fixing up my bumper, they actually fixed up a few of the scratches that were there and now it looks brand new. I would totally recommend 3C to my friends and family, and I have been. <laughs> 3C Body Shop, the finest.